If you have a Bible, grab it out. Go with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, and in verse number 14, I wanna talk to you today on the topic of a finished work in progress. A finished work in progress. And the Bible says in Hebrews 10, verse 14, for by one sacrifice, He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He has made perfect by one sacrifice forever those who are being made holy. And Father, we pray that You would speak to us today. We know that as we read Your Word, as we read the Bible, it's the only book that as we read it, it reads us. And here we are today, Father, we pray that You would read us, change us, shape us into Your image. Make us holy like You are today, we pray in Jesus' mighty Name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Um, they say that a problem, a problem shared is a problem halved. And so I wanna start today with a confession, if I can, just to get vulnerable together so you can get to know me and me, you. Uh, it's only one way though, because uh, I'm not expecting that you would share anything with me uh, in the next 35 minutes. Apart from the odd amen, maybe giggle at my jokes, if that's okay. That was a joke. There it is. I hate the food shopping, groceries, going to the store, Sainsbury's, hate it, can't stand it. It's the length of the aisles that gets me. It's the, the innumerable options of food. It's the height of the shelves. It's the staff are never very helpful. It's the fact there are no clocks or easily available exits. It's the fact that you can't go in and get out without buying something. I, I'm overwhelmed. I get scared. I get nervous. It's palpable. I shake. Supermarkets are scary places. I, I have a confession to make. I don't like doing the food shopping. I overspend. I buy things we don't need. I mean, overall, I just need help when I go shopping. But when I bomb, I have a guardian angel that I call to help me. And that, my friends, is my lovely wife, Nadia. I'll ring her and she'll save me. I don't write lists, I guess that's my problem. And she will vicariously do the shopping through me. She's at home and I'm at the grocery store and because of her skills, her nous, her navigational genius, I have no muscle memory at the grocery store, but because of her, I succeed. I get home with the shopping bags and I walk in and the kids love me for it, don't they? Because I bring ice cream when it wasn't on the list. <laughs> I get all the credit for the good work of someone else. My reward comes simply by virtue of the fact that I know someone who is better than I am. I wonder today if you've ever heard the phrase, you're being carried. It's a common sports euphemism. Teams that get carried. They say that Shaq carried Kobe. That's what they said. They said that Cristiano Ronaldo has been carrying Man United. That's what they told me. <laughs> That's what they told me to say. By the sounds of it, only Pastor Tim is carrying Chelsea by the sounds of it in this church. <laughs> and Ted Lasso, Jamie Tart carried the Tottenham Hotspurs, didn't he? That was as far as I could tell. You get carried, we get carried. Uh, I get carried by Nadia when I do the grocery shopping. Uh, teams get carried by their best player. If teams get carried by their best player and I get carried by Nadia when I go shopping, isn't it true that the Lord every day carries us? I don't know if you've seen it. I wish I had a picture. Footprints in the sand. 
It's the oldest, cheesiest baby boomer meme of all time. But isn't it so true? That He carries us every day of our lives. Simply defined, what I'm trying to describe to you today is this, is that you win not because of what you do, but because of who you know. This concept in theology, we call it positional sanctification. Positional sanctification. What that means is that I get the credit of the good work of another, not because of what I do, but because of who I know. The best example I could give you of this is the last time I hung out with Justin Timberlake. So I was, I, I was at a Justin Timberlake concert and, uh, and uh, obviously, well, obviously he was there as well. And uh, we were in the 300 level bleachers. It was a 25,000 seat auditorium. And, um, and I was way up the back and Justin was on the stage because uh, that's, I think, how it should be. Um, and a friend of mine came up, uh, I was with Nadia and two friends came up with that giddy look on their face and they were holding in their hand lanyards. And they said, hey, would you like to be a little closer tonight in the concert? And I said, no, no, I love being up here in the 300 level bleachers. I, I paid good money for these seats. How dare I, for a free upgrade, go and be as close to Justin as possible. He and I are hanging out later anyway, so I'll stay right where I am. That of course is not what happened. I snatched that lanyard. I then walked through three levels of security and I was in the closest VIP section possible as Justin Timberlake performed his concert. Close enough to touch. I didn't touch him, I thought that would be strange, a bit messianic, so I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave that, but I was close enough. At one point I was with Nadia grooving in one of his songs and he looked at us and sort of gave us what looked like a thumbs up. Uh, he might've just moved his hand, but it looked to me like he was giving us a thumbs up and, and the look said to me, I feel like we could be friends. And so since that moment, we've been great friends ever since. And we haven't communicated at all, but I, I get the feeling like we're a part of a, a global family of um, Justin Timberlake fans. I tell you this weird story because the reason why I got so close to Justin Timberlake that day was not because of anything that I did, but because of who I knew. I knew friends that somehow had paid good money for these lanyards and I got to sit in the VIP section of this concert. When I get to the pearly gates, uh, which will be the greatest achievement of my life or of my death when I get there, I imagine I will be dead. And when I get there and I get to the pearly gates, St. Paul, St. Peter, Thomas, Bartholomew, whomever it is, let's say worst case scenario, my name is not in the Lamb's book of life. Worst case scenario. And I think that's the possible, like it doesn't get worse than that to not be in the book. And, I, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll do what you hate to see it. I'll utter these words. Can I speak with your manager, please? <laughs> and I don't know what kind of archangel they'll bring, Gabriel, I'm not sure. But I don't know Gabriel. I don't know the archangel Michael either. In fact, I've never met an angel in my life. But there is one in heaven whom I know intimately. That if there's a problem, if I could just peek through the gates and see Jesus, I'm sure that we could figure something out. That I might say to him, Jesus, there's been a mistake in the book, but I spent my life in devotion with you. Surely you can overrule the decision that's been made here today. I might say to the people at the gate, I don't know you, but I do know him. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. These are scary words 
Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount here today. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did, in other words, did we not do Christian things? Prophesy, cast out demons and perform many miracles. Verse 23 says this, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. You see, today, to know of God is good. You might enjoy your life happily, but to know Him personally is better. That gives you access into His family. Theologian Karl Barth put it much better than me. He said this, our position is such that we can be rescued from eternal death and translated into life only by total and unceasing substitution, a substitution which God Himself undertakes on our behalf. In summary today, ladies and gentlemen, it isn't because of us, it is because of Him. To hang around with Nadia means you're basically following a highly favoured person. Everywhere Nadia goes, great things happen to her. The other day, it was her birthday. Oh, it was Nadia's birthday the other day too, by the way. Okay, one, two, three. And so the other day was her birthday and, and we had tickets to Alicia Keys in New York City from 2019 and it got bumped three years and it was in August. And so I, I, I made it her birthday present. And so we drove there together to see Alicia Keys. And just before we arrived, she said, oh, we're in, coming through New Jersey, just about to cross through the tunnel, and the Lincoln Tunnel. And she's like, oh, you know, I would just love um, to just get to the hotel and just to be like, you know, for them to say, hello, Mrs. Mary Church, great to see you, um, welcome. We hope you have a great stay. And then we would go on and have a great stay. And I said, well, that sounds amazing. I hope that happens too. And so we arrived at the hotel and then lo and behold, the person at the desk says, hello, Mrs. Mary Church, great to see you. We hope you have a great stay, welcome. And she looks at me and then he says, we have decided to upgrade your room. This is just what happens when you follow Nadia around. <laughs> when I go first, these things don't happen. But when she goes first, goodness and blessing follows us all the days of our life. She is the 23rd Psalm. A few years back, we drove to Montreal to see one of our favourites. Up there with, with, with Alicia has got to be Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill was in Montreal. We drive to Montreal. We finish the show. Great show. We get to the end and Nadia's walking to the car and we, or we, we Ubered back to the hotel and she said, oh, how good would it be to meet Lauren Hill? And I said, oh, it would be amazing to meet Lauren Hill. And we walk to the hotel and she says, look, Lauren Hill's in the foyer of our hotel. We walk over to Lauren, hey, Lauren. And you know, you kind of want to, hey, you know, how are you feeling after the show? And she says, where are you from? And we said, we're from New Zealand. She says, I love New Zealanders. And I kind of said, we came all the way to see you. And I know that sounds like I'm trying to say I flew from New Zealand to Montreal to see her. That's not what I meant, but that's how she took it. So then she, you know, celebrity manipulation, you know, it's been backwards enough. I'm trying to just reverse the tide a little bit here, right? They didn't find that funny. And so, and so we're talking with, with Lauren Hill and, and we're having this long conversation with her while people are lining up to talk with her and get a photo. And then her staff kind of usher her away. Things like this happen with Nadia all the time. She was walking past this, down the street the other day, saw a sign that said private sale. And so she called the number and we bought the house where the sign was. 
in the middle of a real estate bubble and the person that we bought it off hated real estate agents. So it was totally private and you know, totally kosher, first of all. It was like an under the table job, you know what I mean? Like that's not what I'm saying, I'm saying it was kosher. But these things just happened to her. Goodness and blessings seem to follow her. She's highly favored. So what are you gonna do about that? Well, what would be weird is that if you meet us in the foyer and start following us around. <laughs> but I say that to paint a picture that you and I have Jesus and the Bible calls him the highly favored one of heaven. Nadia, I believe, is favored because she knows Jesus. Well, you and I have an incredible opportunity to encounter favor because we walk with him. Romans 5 verse eight says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That he's the central point of our faith, that we gather because of him, we sing because of him, we celebrate because of him. That he's the artwork that takes center stage in your home, that he's the Mona Lisa, he's the coronation egg, he's the encore of heaven, ladies and gentlemen. He is the reason for every season. The Bible says in Acts chapter four and verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Greg Laurie says this about Billy Graham. He says, we were all pleasantly surprised when Billy said that his greatest joy came from talking to and hearing from Christ. First Colossians 1.28 says, we preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more and no less. Just to circle back to the groceries for one second. I confess to you that I hate it, but I've got another confession to make. And that is simply this, I am getting better. I am ever so slowly improving. I make phone calls a little bit less than I used to. I start to understand the maze that is the grocery store, the supermarket. My contribution in this whole process means that I partner with Nadia to make sure that we get food on the table as often as possible. I hesitate to say it, friends, but I want you to know this, I am improving. I went to the supermarket the other day, I didn't call Nadia, I got everything we needed, and friends, I'll have you know this, I came in under budget. This is to prove two things. The first is this, that I offer very little to my family's grocery shopping habits. But the second is this, I improve every time I go. This concept in theology is called progressive sanctification. Positional sanctification means that I am made good because of another. Progressive sanctification means that I improve because of that same person. In Christianity, we call it Christian maturity. Another word we might use is Christ-likeness. Another word that we might use is spiritual formation. That's two words. Another word that we might use is discipleship. You see, my grocery shopping success came because of Nadia's brilliance, but my improvement came because of her help. You see, we call him Savior, but we need to understand that we have to receive Jesus also as our Lord. If he is just my savior, then I'm constantly in need of saving. 
but if he's my Lord, then I give him my life and he makes me better. We accept him as savior, not as Lord. A savior saves, but a Lord instructs and improves and challenges. If all he is is my savior, then I come to him every day needing saving. But if he is Lord, then I can be saved and then I can be effective. The Bible introduces him as savior, but in Romans 10 instructs us to declare him as Lord in order to be saved. The Savior Jesus offers the free gift of salvation, but the Lord Jesus requires the costly gift of my obedience. It is from that obedience that friends, we need to understand this. We are able to get better. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Our positional sanctification has already happened regardless of the degree of one's spiritual practices, but our progressive sanctification happens as a result of our spiritual practices. That you're here in church today doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't improve your chances of getting into heaven if you're already saved. But being here in church is perfect for your faith. Practicing a Sunday church attendance, reading your Bible, taking a Sabbath, means that you will grow and improve as a Christian. And friend, it's important to understand that we can do that. On the 21st of January, 2006, I was married to Nadia. And I guess my question for us today is this, will I ever be more married than I was on that day? Well, of course not. I was married then and I'm married now, but has my marriage improved in that time? Have I grown in that time? Have I matured in that time? Am I a better person during that time? Well, of course, friends, the answer is yes. I am married. I'm not more married tomorrow than I am today. But friends, the marriage makes me better. Nadi's already perfect. She's not improving. She's just the same. She's a 10. <laughs> but I need all the help that I can get. Hebrews 10, 14 says, for by one sacrifice, he has made you perfect. Wow. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and thought that I'm perfect? We believe the second half, those who are being made holy. Maybe you're here today and you didn't understand that God has made you perfect. You are saved because He is your Savior. But maybe you're here today saying, Levi, I need to receive Him as Lord and know that He can make me better, that with His help I can improve on a daily basis. That He is our Savior and He is our Lord. That His positional sanctification is God's work for me. The Bible says in John 19 verse 34, it says, instead one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Blood and water. I'm gonna talk to us today in just a second more about blood. And that's difficult for me, because another confession, I hate blood so much. The last time I saw blood was when Nadi was in labor and they took bloods from her. Not from me, they didn't need those. They took it from her. And as they took the needle out, a little bit of blood um, from the, the force of the vein, because the, the heart pumps through the veins with some force, and the blood came out and landed on the floor. And I fainted. I just, I, I remember just waking up with a pillow under my head, actually. And all the nurses had come to my aid while Nadi was in labor. But just for a second, they stabbed him in the side and two things came out, blood and water. You see, the blood of Jesus is his work for you, 
that by one sacrifice you've been made perfect. But the water of the Holy Spirit is God's work in you. See, He has done something for you once and for all, past tense, but is doing something in you right now, present tense. Come on, if you believe that, you can give God praise. Amen. So just for a minute, let's talk about blood. God's work for us is embodied by the blood. And if you're taking notes, I'm just gonna give you a few thoughts today. The first one is this. Without the blood of Jesus, there is no forgiveness. Without the blood, there is no forgiveness. But because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness. If you're here today for the first time or it's just been coming through the summer, I'm sorry on behalf of Tim and Nicola and the team that we're talking about blood, because it's gross. Like I think if you're just like, hey, yeah, come to church, amazing, came with a friend from summer camp, summer fest, woo! And then the video doesn't work, you know, it's like this church service is just a wreck, you know? And then the guy talked about blood, like for the longest time, like I'm not coming back. What is this? We don't do this all the time. But every now and then we need a refresher on the power of the blood. Hebrews 9.22 says this, without the shedding of the blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. God's plan of redemption was for the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, His precious Son. But what we did was we did all these temporary um, blood sheddings. Uh, I'm sorry, we're not getting any better. We will, I promise we'll finish strong. (laughs) Doves, goats, cattle, all of these different animals that we would shed their blood for the temporary remission of sins. But then Jesus is in heaven and God's there and and the Holy Spirit, they were talking and God's like, okay, I've got a plan of redemption for humanity to be brought back into relationship with us. It's gonna require more blood to be shed. And the Holy Spirit's like, we need more animals. (laughs) And then God's like, you know, He's like, I've got another alternative. (laughs) Uh, What about the Prince of Peace? (laughs) What about the... uh, the only begotten Son of God, you know? You know the Homer Simpson meme where he escapes through the hedge? That's Jesus the Lord. He's like, he's like, I could make a giant cow. We could just kill that. Cover the whole earth in the blood of a cow. Bovine tuberculosis everywhere. That's the last thing we want. That, God forbid. But he says, no, Jesus, we need your blood to be shed for humanity. And Jesus embraces that. And they time it so perfectly and they build to this crescendo where Jesus' blood is shed. And because of that, you and I can have forgiveness. The cross is so powerful because all of the need for more bloodshed stopped with Christ, which is great news for us. It's better news for me because I hate blood. And the last thing we would want is to have to do Old Testament practices in a new covenant relationship with Christ and have blood on everybody in the Dominion Theatre because we wouldn't be allowed back. (laughs) But it finished with Jesus Christ because of His shed blood. We now have acceptance into His family. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. It was once and for all, once and for all. Imagine a do-over. Have you seen The Passion of the Christ? Imagine a sequel. 
Like he's like, oh, dang, I've got to go back. And <laughs> the shed blood of Christ was the last time blood needed to be shed. And it was once and for all. We don't need to revisit. We don't need nine fast and furiouses. We don't need him to come back again and again and again. Hebrews 9.11 says, he came as the high priest of this better system that we now have. That's brilliant. And verse 12, once and for all time, he took the blood into the inner room and made sure of our eternal salvation. Once and for all time, he made sure. I'll never forget when Nadia accompanied me to the grocery store. As she walked down the aisle, she said, Levi, they have signs. And the signs tell you what's in the aisles. She says, Levi, every supermarket on the planet, apart from Aldi, has fruit and veggies when you walk in because it's fresh and colorful and they want you to enjoy your experience. She said, Levi, bread and dairy is always in the far corner because they want you to walk through the whole supermarket and buy things that you don't need to get to what you came for. This was hugely helpful for me. <laughs> Jesus came once and for all and did it one time to make sure and he doesn't wanna have to come back and do it all over again because he doesn't need to. I have four beautiful kids. We have what we call the double jackpot. Two boys and two girls. And the boys are great. And I understand what it's like to be a boy because I'm a boy. I understand the reason why they don't talk and they grunt all the time. I understand why they had a, a late growth spurt and now my son is eight foot three and lanky. I understand that, I get that. I understand his acne, been there, done that. I understand what it's like to be a boy. I understand that when we communicate, boys communicate shoulder to shoulder. It's not often you see two boys sitting in a cafe across the table drinking coffee. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying it's not common. But shoulder to shoulder, at the driving range, playing sport, kicking a footy ball around. See that I said footy, right? It's not soccer, is it? It's the last thing we want, it's soccer. We want football. But girls, girls are different, bro. <laughs> girls are different. Girls um, have a, okay, so, It's just in the way they communicate, it's different, man. The girls in my house, they're just loud, they're happy, they have so much joy. The girls in my house, when they do something, it's done. When they do something, you know something's happening. When the girls are awake in my house, it's not quiet. The girls in my house are bold and strong. And it's so funny because when, when Jesus came and he wanted to make a statement, fellas, he didn't look to us for inspiration. Because the Sermon on the Mount would have been like, yeah, nah, it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> nah, it's been good. It's been good actually being here with the boys. And um, you got neighbors, they just be good, hey? All right, we'll see you later. You know, that's, that's he didn't get any inspiration from us. But the Bible says that when he died, that he went into the inner, the inner room, the most holy place in the temple. The Bible says that the curtain was torn in two. From the ceiling to the floor. That's interesting, right? 
from the ceiling to the floor. Like for the Chelsea fans, one more time. From the ceiling <laughs> to the floor. If we got together and ripped a massive curtain, we would never do that here. But if we did, we wouldn't rip it from the ceiling unless we were in the ceiling. But we're not, we're on the floor. And so we would rip the curtain from the floor to the ceiling. But God in His infinite wisdom wanted to paint a proud, loud, bold, Mary Church girls picture for us and rip that curtain from the ceiling to the floor once and for all to give us access boldly into the throne room of God. And lastly, if you're taking notes, maybe the keyboardist would come and join me today. The third thing I'll say is this, is it is finished. The best news of our sermon this morning is this, this afternoon, is this. The achievement of Christ's blood has been accredited to us. That's amazing. That's like an honorary doctorate. You know people get those? It feels like they didn't do anything for it. I'm sure they did, but it feels like they didn't. So then they just get given a degree. I'm like, I would like to get one of those at some stage. So if you have one, if I could have it. <laughs> the work is complete, it's done, it's closed. The work is concluded, it's over. Break time is finished, the hard work is done. Jesus put it this way. He said, it is finished. Well, it doesn't feel like it's finished. In fact, I am a, a finished work in progress. It feels like it's still happening. What then Jesus is finished? Well, this is what I think is finished. The hard work, the striving, the laboring, the death of animals, the bloodshed. It's finished because of Him. It's finished because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I was talking with the youth team, who are amazing by the way, just an outstanding, outstanding group of people. Young adults team, also great. No, no they're amazing, but I just, they're amazing. Rena, I love you. There's, no one laughs, so I have to now circle back to make sure that it's like, they're equally as brilliant, you know, whatever. And so, we were talking about pizza and how pizza is the standard universal youth food, which is great because pizza's great. And at the end of youth camp, they would have packed down, this, they had this cool tent, really cool tent, a tent of meeting, and this great chapel at the school. And there was sound equipment and lighting. Oh, the lighting guys with their lasers? Oh my gosh. Is anyone happier than a lighting guy with lasers? <laughs> Me thinks not. And so all this cool stuff. And, and then the camp, the camp would wrap up and finish. Just like today, we'll finish at some stage. And I don't know what belongs to Hillsong and what belongs to the Dominion Theatre, but there'll be stuff here that belongs to your church that because of your giving, you were able to pay for it. And thank you for that. Thank you for this microphone. Unless it's the Dominion Theatres, in which case, thanks to them. <laughs> but people will come and they'll pack up this great pulpit. I love this mat top. And they'll take it, this is my laptop, leave that. And they'll move all these bits and pieces. And then at the end, in my experience, there'll be a big old pile of pizzas for everyone to enjoy the hard work that they have just done. But there will be someone who does no work 
during pack down. You bumped in this morning and you'll bump out tonight and someone will snake off into this upper room up here and fall asleep because they're tired and they need some rest. But when they smell the pizza, they'll wake up and look like they've been working. They'll put some dust on their face, get their hands dirty, rip their pants and come down and say, that was a rough pack down, guys. It's been a big week, my gosh. And they will enjoy the reward of someone else's labour. I did nothing to deserve the love of God in my life. I did nothing to shed Jesus' blood on the cross apart from the fact that I put Him there, just like you. But because of His labours, because of His hard work, because of the shed blood of His perfect life, I can enjoy the pizza, which in this illustration is our salvation. The hard work is over. There are people here and that's the only message that you need to hear today. That the love of God is in your life. That Jesus came down to meet with you and shed His blood on the cross to get you into heaven. And I'm praying in that Lamb's book of life. And if I'm not in there, just throw it in there for me. That He came because He loves you. And we can only love, the Bible says, because He first loved us. Someone said once that He's a clean God with dirty hands. We know that's not true because He has clean hands, because He's perfect. But I like that picture. Nadia's a gardener. And I see her out there toiling away, growing things, watering things, planting seed. And it's amazing to watch things grow when she touches them and nourishes and gives them life. And every time she stands up, knees are dirty, hands are dirty, but she doesn't mind. The Bible says that He would stoop down to make you great. Isn't that cool? That He would come down low into our lives to lift us up out of that miry clay. Must have got some clay on His hands as He lifted me up from the bad decisions that I've made. That might be the message that you need to hear today. And if it is the message that you need to hear today, I'm glad that you came. In fact, the other 30 minutes of message that you've heard today, listen to it again in 12 months. But for the next year of your life, just bathe in the thought that He loves you and shed His blood on the cross for you. Get to know Him, read the Gospels, read the Psalms. Fill your life with the love of God. And as you do, just like me, you might improve.